the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 169 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheen, and with me, like every week, is the David Gray of Irish MMA media, <laughs> Graham McDonald. <laughs> so I'll be honest with you, I forgot. Say to hello and wave goodbye. <laughs> I won't, uh, I won't too much for the podcast. My head bops when I when I talk though, so maybe that's it. About two minutes before the podcast, Graham just said, "Oh, David Graham's classic." And he was like, "Oh yeah, David Graham's oh massively underrated." Yeah. <laughs> he is, he is good, he is good. But anyway, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, MMA today. I believe uh, there's the biggest card of the year, all told so far, is coming up with UFC two to sixties week end, and we we're talk gonna talk about a bit more about super yeah. fights and all that shit. Like you know, we're gonna talk a bit more about David Gray. <laughs> What's your favorite yeah, David Gray song? Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a if tough you're one. It, at, come and get at the, it. At the moment, I'm probably enjoying Alibi more, but mm. that's been, mm, I don't know. But uh, like, you could change at any moment. Maybe or the one yeah. with Orbital, the one he did with Orbital, Illuminate. That could be. That could be yeah. my favorite at the moment as well. He's a he's a very good. He's a very good song songwriter and singer and everything. They need to, yeah. himself and Daniel Beddingfield, by the way, were the two best ever. I mean, actually, did you see my my actually, bangers? Actually, people who don't who don't know who David David Gray is, just download the album White Ladder, and that's all you need. Yeah, it's literally one of the greatest albums of all time. People are going to probably hate us now for this. Yeah, people but, hate yeah. David Gray because, like, I don't know, he's like Ed Sheeran except good. <laughs> all right, no more listeners on this podcast next week. <laughs> Somebody, somebody should uh, should take this audio and put a David Gray song behind it <laughs> as we talk about him. That would be good. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about the UFC this weekend. Uh, UFC two hundred six, tough twenty seven as well is coming up uh, Wednesday, I believe. We'll talk a little bit about that. Not the best card in the world, but there's a couple of things of interest in that. We're going to look back at uh, recent key had a fight the weekend. Graham didn't actually see, but I saw. It. We'll talk about that anyway. There's a few retirements that are probably not going to stick that we will talk about and Bellator. Signed with D Zone, which is pretty interesting. But first, mm-hmm. UFC two two six. Graham, how hyped are you for this? I'm very hyped for this card. How hyped are you for this card? Yeah, this is a cracking card. Like, uh, obviously, this the super fight, which is an actual super fight for once. Where usually things are called super fights and they're not. But Stipe Miocic is the legit champion, and Daniel Cormier is a uh, kind of kind of <laughs> the legit champion. The, him and the tail. Him and the tail. Joint combination. And oh, I thought you were going to. You sat on, you sat on the table, <laughs> helped him out, but he got there in the end. <laughs> fair play, yeah, fair play to DC. He has, in fairness, like at, at one point we were all thinking about DC is like, you know, he might be the, the Misha Tate of of uh, the light heavyweight division or whatever. You know, just obviously, you know, the second best or up there is the second best, but there, that one person will always be above him. But didn't things kind of have turned for him in the, in the look stage, haven't they? Well, maybe not look, but you know, maybe just it's more of a <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I, th- I think he's better than Bisping. I think, you know, I, th- I think Bisping is uh, ah, well, that's, that's beside the point anyway. But yeah, he would, like things have definitely turned from over the last one. And this, what, what, what's a super fight for you? Like a super fight for me, and I get really mad about this. This is like my, this is like weight cutting again for me. Like I think a super fight is when a current champion fights another current champion. Like it's it, yeah, no, no interim bullshit either. It has to be proper turn. It has to be proper champion for to me for for me for it to be a super fight. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit a little bit torn on that one, but whatever. Like people are saying, oh, John like if, Jones, if if you know if if like you know, let's say Tony Ferguson still had that that 
that uh, interim belt. Is there any interim belts at the moment? There actually isn't, I don't think. But let's say one one of them had it. They fought the real champion. That's not Kobe. a super fight. That's a you. That's a unit. Yeah, if Colby Covington fought Tyron Woodley now, that's not a super fight. What if Colby Covington fought Robert Whitaker? No, that's no. not a super fight either. Yeah. Well, obviously, like to like McGregor like, fighting Aldo. Anyway, super fight is super just fight, a fucking yeah. stupid word. Anyway, it's yeah. the, the actual fight that I care about more than anything. Like anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Someone was asking me about that as well. Like, oh, sure, you don't care about titles anyway. Say it only fair to I'm like, yeah, but if you want to talk about semantics like that, at least get your semantics right, which is a kind of a, <laughs> which is kind of a a, a contradiction. But but anyway, In, inter, Wait, inter inter interim fairy tales. Interim fairy tales. Interim fairy tales. Yeah, but this is this is a legit super fight, and this is a legit super fight as well. You know, it's it's a great fight. This is a. To me, it's a fantastic fight. The integers which decide this fight are, are fascinating to me. And just uh, just hopefully, well, no, no one's going to miss weight in this one anyway. At least that's what happens. <laughs> Unless someone slips and oh, no, I'm fucking jinxing it now. Daniel Carmel come I'm in. Already. Have that already. <laughs> have that already. Have that already. Um, I'll, I'll start it off on this one and how I see this fight and what I, what I, I think about. Look, I watched a good bit of... Um, Daniel Cormier footage, watch a good bit of Stipe Miocic footage, and this is one of those fights again. We, you know, we see it a good bit where, when you get to this, uh, you know, top, top, top level of MMA, you get people who maybe haven't encountered other people as good as as the person they're about to encounter, at what the person they're about to encounter does, and sometimes you know you have, you know, Tyron Woodley against Damian Maya, who's you know. Polar opposites. One's a, a striker, a wrestler. One's a jiu-jitsu artist, or you know, McGregor against uh, Habib. If that was to happen, or whatever, you know, polar opposites. But this, this is similar type of fighters. They're they're different in what they do, but they're similar in what they want to do. The both of these guys want to go forward. They want to attack. They want to land as many strikes as they can onto you. They want to hurt you if they take you down. They want to. They don't just want to lay on top of you. They want to hurt you. They want to pass guard they want to get your back they want to land lots of shots and when you have a fight like that and two guys who want to do that exact same thing in different ways of course but when you want when you have two people who want to do the same thing that is very fascinating to me and like that's one of the most fascinating things in mma who is going to get that front foot i talk about it so often you know when we're previewing fights but who is going to get it is it going to be steeper uh with his power with his jab with his one twos with his leg kicks is it going to be karmia with his output with his wrestling with his clinch with his leg kicks as well Who's gonna Who's gonna get that? I think that's the first big thing coming into this fight, and to me, that's that's where the breakdown of this matchup gets, and, we, and we'll get more into it uh, as we go along. But you know, to me, that's that that fascinates me a lot. Are you Are you of a similar mind? Yeah, I am, and I think uh, I think I've thought about this fight a lot, and I think I'm gonna like pick against what I should pick, like thinking about it, how it's technically gonna break down, and mm -hmm. I just have a feeling it's gonna go the other way for some reason. I think I think like on paper, Stipe should win. His punches are straighter. Uh, Cormier is a bit a bit loopy with his punches, and on paper, uh, maybe Cormier has a slight wrestling advantage. But he, he, I don't see that playing a factor in the fight. I think this is going to be nearly all a stand-up fight. And maybe if Cormier is the win, he's going to use he's going to clinch, um, and he's going to just push forward like he did in the. I know he got knocked out against Jones, but he was doing pretty well uh in the first round at least and, and second round with, with the pressure he was putting on and just eating anything that jones controlled him and going forward and um i i think like logically i think 
Stipe is a safe pick, but for, I, I just I just have a feeling. I just think Cormier is going to going to win this. I think at a heavyweight, this is this is doesn't even make sense really, like technically in the fight. But at heavyweight, nobody stays on top for long because they hit so hard. And I, I think uh, Daniel Cormier can take a big, big, big shot. I think he proved that against Anthony Johnson and even against uh, Jones, where he took some big shots and he's taken some big shots in the past and he's able to walk through them. And, and Stipe, like he's taken some big shots, but uh, steep like Stefan Stefan Struve, like TKO'd him standing. I know it was a long time ago, but. I could see something similar to that where he he gets he gets hurt and he can't get away due to the pressure the Cormier will put on him. If if Cormier does start touching him up, I think he'll he'll up the tempo and I think I think Cormier is going to win this one. Even though uh, I don't know, I just for some real weird reason, if I had to like technically on paper, I think Stipe is is more likely. But I have a feeling I have a feeling that Cormier is going to do this. Mm-hmm. Like when when going back watching, uh, and, and I mentioned it earlier on about uh, you know ha, them not meeting anyone like their their opponent on Saturday before, especially for Stipe, like he has never met anyone close to DC. Like if he'd fought yeah. Kane, you'd have some you'd have some hope. Like there's no yeah. one really. He's like who has he fought that that pushes him back the way DC would with with that amount of output yeah. with that wrestling? Not really. Like has DC fought someone like what Stipe will do? I think he has in Alexander Gustafsson. I think, like, I think that's the most important fight to go back and watch. Now, I think Gustafsson doesn't hit as hard as Stipe, but and is faster than Stipe. But it, it's it's a similar sort of thing. I think he does. You know, he's similar enough footwork. When when they get close to Stipe Miocic, he will do the step back and step back in and hit you with a one two or hit you with a, a straight shot or hit you with a lovely uh, left hand um, or a, yeah a left hook coming in. He'll hit you with those leg kicks like Stipe uh, likes to do as well. I think you know, and I think DC has kind of faced that and faced uh, and I get to the power in a second, but face someone who can do that actually. I think better than Stipe Miocic does it, or not necessarily better, but faster and more technical and you know cleaner than steep actually does it now steep does it very well as well so I, I you know i think that's an advantage going in here for for dc yeah and I, when the way you're, when you're talking about having fought gustafson and stuff just the, the way that ever since daniel cormier started doing mma he's been training with kane velasquez the whole time in aka mm-hmm. like they've been preparing uh each other for fights like you know cormier imitates one guy and Kane imitates the other and like in most camps like you know you kind of try and fight that style so uh, I just I just think I just think I don't know I, I, it's 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 a weird one because usually I always go with the with the technique and who I think is going to win but I just I just think I just think Daniel Cormier is going to do this one I think that pressure is going to be too much even though even though Stipe has dealt with that before I don't I think that the pressure that Daniel Cormier brings is actually extra hard to, to deal with because he can just he can just he can take shots on his way in and just power through them. And I think I think the I, I know he got finished against Jones, but Jones is John Jones is I don't think people realize how John how good John Jones is because yeah. of all the other off the off the out of the cage stuff. People just kind of think of John Jones as this kind of hoodlum guy or this kind of hooligan guy who's just going around taking the piss and fucking crashing into pregnant people and stuff. You know, it kind of takes away from his ability. It's kind of the similar thing like. With a, with a good few fighters who have big personalities, nobody really talks about their their technique. But like he was causing he was causing Jones lots of lots of lots of trouble. I know Gustafsson has caused Jones trouble in the past, but that's about it. Nobody else has really even caused Jones trouble. And Jones has fought people at their own game in mm-hmm. order to just kind of prove a point. Like he fought Chael, he wrestled him, he fought 
Shogun, he's struck with him, you know, he, he just tries to beat people at their own game, and he didn't do that against Cormier the second time, and he and he tried, he paid, tried to play his own game, and Cormier was able to deal with it, and I think Cormier is able to adapt on the fly really quickly as well, I think that's another thing that, uh, that he's proven in the past, like, and the fact that he can take a massive shot from Anthony Johnson, I think, means that even if Stipe does land early, okay, at heavyweight, like, even at light heavyweight, these guys are big, and they can put anybody out, but I think Cormier's chin is is actually like even, I know he's not fighting in heavyweight for the last what since Strike Force the last like five or six seven years, but I think he's proven in the past that he can take a shot at heavyweight off a big heavyweight, and you can take shots. I know John Jones hasn't got a knockout pair, but he put serious volume on on Cormier, and Cormier is walking into those shots, which makes him have more force as well. So yeah, I think Cormier, I think Cormier is going to win this one just due to volume and pressure. I know his punches are kind of wilder and loopier than Stipe's usually but and straight punches usually do beat looping shots but i think um cormier's going to be able to adapt on the fly and i think he's he's a good game planner as well and i just I, like it's a really tough one to pick and i can see it going either way i can see a number of things happening here and i can see this being an absolute war as well where it, where there's controversial scorecards at the end uh depending on what kind of style you're you're after and stuff like that but i, I think this is a great great fight and i think i think cormier is going to going to edge it out probably over five rounds yeah I, I think your point about Cormier being an excellent game planner is 100% true I also think Stipe is an excellent game planner you just have to look at the Francis Ngannou fight to see that how he's staying away from him for you know for the first round of that fight and how you know how, well, how that's not rock and rocket science yeah really I know but <laughs> it's, it's not that easy to stay away from Francis Ngannou and I think after that people are talking about Francis being useless and being you know he's not able to for this level and all and I, I don't agree with that we obviously we'll get to him later on and stuff but it, it's interesting no it wasn't that fight. it was the jds fight daniel cormier was actually commentating on that fight i watched it last night and it, I, I, I had just watched it after the gustafson fight where cormier was throwing lots of leg kicks at gustafson and you know jds in that fight he, he i know it only lasted what 90 seconds or two minutes or whatever but jds landed three four five big leg kicks on Stipe and Daniel Cormier was basically talking about how you know this is a way to get to Stipe throw those leg kicks land those big leg kicks get inside in the Gustafson fight in the John Jones fight he threw lots of big leg kicks and I'm sure he's going to do that again that 100% but when you do that you 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 know you talked about it there street has big hard straight shots he he's gonna he's gonna counter those leg kicks with those straight shots or he's gonna counter them with big hooks he, he you know he's not as fast as gustafson, gustafson but he's really fast with his combinations with his uppercuts and stuff like that gustafson hit cormier a lot with those and the thing about Stipe as well is and, and the thing about this fight in general is you know both guys like to throw leg kicks both guys you know like to get in close and hit hard when they get in close and it, you know, I, I think that could be interesting because I talked about it as well with, with OSP last week. You know, when guys like to hit hard and get in close, a lot of the times, you know, when and I, I talked about the start of this podcast, when there, you know, when there is, is a battle for who's going to take the front foot, who's going to run this fight, sometimes nobody will lose that battle and it'll just end in a clinch and it'll end against the cage and maybe it'll end in a takedown. That's going to be huge in this fight. Who is going to get their back against the cage? Who's going to be in that bad position? Who's going to get the first takedown? Who's going to land on top? If you do get taken down, can you pop back up? I think that that's very interesting. You know, go, um, this exact point about them throwing leg kicks and and, and uh, throwing big shots when you come inside. Daniel Carme got taken down at least twice by Alexander Gustafsson. He managed to pop back up straight away once, and another time he popped up relatively relatively quickly. 
Um, Stipe Miocic against um, against Francis in his last fight. He got the, the fight to the clinch there. Wasn't able to get Francis down. You know, after that, though, when Francis got a little bit more tired, he was able to get him down. Daniel Cormier in fights. You know, we've seen Daniel Cormier against Gustafsson, against Josh Barnett at heavyweight. You know, against everyone, picking him up, throwing him on the ground from the clinch, getting the single leg. You know, he talked about it. Uh, our Daniel Car our, um, Dominic Cruz actually talked about it in one of DC's fights. How he moves to the single leg from the double leg when he gets against the cage, so he only has half the body weight to lift, so he can lift him up, run. You know, run the what's it called, run the pipe bring him down and get him straight to the ground you know he, he's brilliant can steep do that against Carmia? you know if it gets to the clinch there even though he's maybe a little bit bigger may, even though he might be a little bit stronger does he have the technique does he have as much experience as dc in that clinch that to me is very interesting like if if Stipe can get a couple of takedowns like gustafson did and if he can get on top and stay on top and put Carmia on his back that could be absolutely huge you know if he does maybe land a big shot uh when, when they get close on the feet and he rocks him a little bit and takes him down and puts him there that's that's big, you know. But the the other, you know, goes the same the other way. I think Stepe might be, you know, might be a little bit more used to being on his back, or might have have prepared a little bit more for being on his back when he's fighting, you know, an Olympic caliber wrestler. But I think that's, I think it's very interesting on the feet as well, you know. I, I I think another big thing here is, you know, Stepe likes to come in close, but when he like when he when Stepe comes in close, he likes to, you know, one two three shots. As, like Gustafson, as I said, move back out, come back in again, with, use his footwork. Daniel Cormier likes, likes to get in, hand fight, like Johnny Hendricks back in the day, or Robbie Lawler, hand fight, li land those little elbows inside, land those little hooks, you know, throw knees to the body. That's why he got, you know, he got caught against uh, Gustafson a few times and against Jones as well, you know. He, he's good there, but he does get caught there. He, Daniel Cormier will take shots in those positions, but he takes less shots there, or less hurtful shots anyway. Then he does when he's out on the outside. We saw him against Jones, that that you know that big shot on the outside with the, with the head kick. Jones has landed other big shots on him. Uh, you know those leg kicks, those you know those front leg side kicks and stuff. You know if Carmi to win this fight, he has to get inside. I think. I think Stipe can win the fight inside as well. But I think if it stays an outside fight where you know it's outside of the, of the jab. And, and Carmier can't get in, he can't get uh, takedowns, he can't get the clinch, can't land the shots inside. I think that's Stipe's fight because, as you said, said there, throws straight shots better, throws harder, hits harder than, than Carmier, has more knockout power than Carmier. So, you know, it, it's interesting to see, you know, what Stipe is going to do in this fight, what Carmier is going to do in this fight. I'm, I'm really intrigued by it. And I've talked for about 10 minutes straight there, so I apologize. And while you were talking, um, yeah, one of the most overrated players going, Luka Modric had his penalty in the 115th minute of, of the games, caught by Casper Schmeichel. Really? Jesus. Fucking hell. Bottled it. Where, uh, bottled but, uh, bottled yeah. do, do you actually think he's an overrated player? Yeah, people were talking about him being world class and all. It's like, mate, he is he getting is. nowhere near uh, World Eleven or a World Squad. He is getting nowhere near that. Like, nowhere really? close. I like, you're putting him in the World Eleven. Like, are you mental? No, I, I wouldn't world put him in class the World Eleven. World class, like it's fucking like everybody's fucking world class. It's ridiculous. I think like if you're one of the top three or four players in Spain or England or a couple more leagues in your position, I think you're world class. But there's different different definition. But anyway, 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 let's move on. So you're picking you're picking DC. I think I'm probably picking DC as well. But I I don't want to make picks anymore. I'm kind of sick of doing that. I just want to break down fights and talk about yeah, them right now, so. like uh, yeah. I don't it's know because I'm going I've been going back and forth and. I just have this strange feeling. I just see it. I see it in my head, different than if I think about it on paper. I definitely think that Stipe has the advantages, but Cormier is not going to be cutting weight, which is which is another thing. He he does he does um, 
cut a lot of weight to get down there. Like he, he missed weight badly and needed a towel to get the belt. Like I know people like Cormier and when you when people like a fighter, they don't really bring up when they cheat, but like, you know, that is that, that weight cut is definitely tough. Like Cormier is not a the most disciplined dieter by the looks of things. Um so yeah. that's some, another thing he doesn't have to worry about. So he, he instead of cutting his weight down the whole camp, he can be working constantly on fighting Stipe and working constantly on game planning and strategizing. And Cain Velasquez, I'd say, could do a pretty fucking good job of, mm-hmm. of replicating what they think Stipe's going to do. But maybe Stipe has something up his sleeve. Who knows? Uh, Stipe's been definitely improving, even even at his age, from, from fight to fight. But I think even Cormier as well, like he's been improving fight to fight as well. And I think... I think um, I just, I just think, I just think Cormier is going to win. Uh, I think he's, I think it's going to be a close decision. But I think, I think the pressure he puts on is going to, is going to tell. And I think Stipe may take the first round, and then the second round I think will be a little bit closer. And then I think Cormier is going to take over. Yeah, I, I could definitely say that. And I, I actually, usually when I look at fights, I, I can see what way they're going to go. And I might be totally wrong, but I can just, you know, I work it out in my head. This one I find it very hard. I, I really don't know. I, I find it hard to, to find out how, how this fight is going to go, but maybe it'll come to me during the week. Actually, as well, people, if you're listening to this podcast, keep your questions coming in. If you question you're listening to this podcast, send them at Severe Mail Pod. We'll probably do another podcast at some stage because it's such a big week uh, over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe Mail Podcast. So sign up there for, for your 10 cent a month or something. So yeah, keep your questions uh, flooding in during the week. The, the other big fight, then, big uh, featherweight. Huge fight. Yeah. What, a, what a fight this is. Oh. I, I love this fight. Watching, you know, watching back that that Frankie Edgar Brian Ortega fight uh, last night. Like Brian Ortega, and I'm watching the actually the um, the Cub Swanson fight before. Brian Ortega has come on absolute leaps and bounds as a striker. Uh, you know, over the last whatever it was, six months or year between those two fights, or <laughs> like I'm really, really excited by this fight. You know, we know how good Max Holloway is. He's another guy that came on leaps and bounds. You know, I, I, for ages I thought Max Holloway was just going to be, you know, he was going to be a mid card guy. He was, uh, he was, you know, going to be a top five, top six guy and never be a champion. But now, since he's become champion and just before, you know, he's turned into one of the best fighters in the world. Absolute, you know, pound for pound, one of the best fighters in the world. This is his toughest test. I think, obviously, you know, he was supposed to fight Frank Edgar. He fought Jose Aldo in his uh, only title defense so far, I believe, which were, I think, are, are a lot easier fights for him than Brian Ortega. This this is a dangerous fight, isn't it? Yeah, this is this is like when somebody's... Uh, like, everybody's everybody at the top level, uh, at the top of, of echelon of divisions, uh, maybe bar the, the new women's divisions that are basically not divisions, are, uh, are really high-level grapplers and can can defend themselves competently if they get taken down for like they can hold out or whatever just like not get submitted maybe they'll lose the round or finish on bottom or whatever but they, they they won't get submitted but it's a different game with ortega somebody as high level as ortega even the little adjustments he made uh i think the gear team was against cup swanson was it uh yeah yeah that was beautiful like that was just so high level and he's just so dangerous on the feet and as you are on the on the ground and uh, submission wise um, and as you said, his striking was miles better against Frank Yeager than it had ever been. But Max Holloway is is also fight to fight, getting way better. And I think I think his volume is going to be too much for Ortega over most of the fight. But at any moment, Ortega could jump on a guillotine. He could jump on a back. He could jump on a leg. He if he got a takedown, even if even if he pulls guard and gets under Holloway, like. He's just so dangerous. I'd have to go with Holloway here, but just 
due to every every round and every fight and every round starting on the feet and the, the fact that Holloway is is a uh, much improved uh, defensively uh, in his in his in his takedown defense uh, since since what McGregor fight was what five, four or five years ago now probably yeah, yeah. Um, and he was he's completely not expecting McGregor to go for a takedown in that fight as well so that was kind of a that was kind of a, a strange uh, happening that Max Holloway definitely like didn't for didn't foresee coming. Uh, and it was years ago, and he's proven like time and time and time again since then that he's a different fighter, uh, fight to fight to fight. Even in the the second Aldo fight, he was a better fighter than he was in the first fight. So I think Holloway is is the safe bet here or the safer bet here. But when somebody's as good as Ortega on the ground and can pull out a submission, then he he's always got to be taken seriously. And and he and Holloway could be four rounds up and could get caught. Like you know, that's how good Ortega is. Even when people are sweaty. And tired, he still has the ability to pull something out. He's that good at jiu-jitsu. Uh, from what I've seen, I think, I think Holloway, I think Holloway's going to win. But uh, you were saying about the striking. If uh, if Ortega tries to strike too much of Holloway, I think he'll get lumped up and take a bit too much damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, just due to the volume and the accuracy of, of Max Holloway. Max Holloway doesn't really have that knockout power, but it, it, it it's accumulation of damage that that ends up getting them the TKO or the knockout. Like it's not one single shot. And that would make you wary against Ortega because he could just get under something, or even when you're trying to ground and pound him or something to put him away, he could grab something. But I don't think so. I think I think Holloway is just going to be he's going to be too good on the feet, and he's going to be he's he's going to be um, he's going to be able to I think he's going to be able to TKO Brian Ortega maybe in the the third of the the later rounds after the third or fourth of the fifth round. Like Ortega hasn't been. Five rounds as well, which is another thing that Holloway Holloway is definitely able to go at a high clip for five rounds, and he knows he is. Uh, Ortega, like he got his first knockout of his career against, I think it's his first knockout of his career against Frank Yeager. Like so, maybe he's thinking, oh, I can, I can stay on the feet a little bit here. And I think if he is thinking that, I think that's bad news for him. I think he needs to be doing a Damian Maya on this if he needs to be trying to get this to the ground at, at all costs. And I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to do that. So I think that's going to cost him, and, and Holloway's going to win. Yeah, I'm interested to see because I don't think he's going to be able to do that either. I don't think he's going to be able to go out and get it to the ground straight away. Now he might be able to go out and you know jump a fucking a flying armbar of you know <laughs> something like that, and I a hundred percent wouldn't put that past him at all. But I'm interested to see how it looks on the feet because he looked spectacular against Frank Edgar. And look, Frank Edgar's he's overrated. We you know we've talked about him loads of times, but he's still really good. You know, Frank Edgar's you know he's a good striker. He, 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 Maybe it's not that he's good, but he's tricky. You know, he's fast. <laughs> he's, he, his footwork is really good. You know, he's, you know, for someone like coming into that fight, I, I thought it was another case of he'll have to jump on him and he'll have to get him to the ground to win it. Like, but the striking level Ortega showed in that fight, you know, his footwork was brilliant. You know, a little bit like, you know, I talked about Gustafsson a little bit earlier on. He fought a little bit like Gustafsson did uh, against uh, against Daniel Cormier, where he was, you know, he was using the jab, using his size. He, he wanted as much size over Max Holloway, but he still, I think he still have a bit of size and, and reach as well. Like, if he can do that against Max Holloway, and I think he won't mind Max Holloway coming on to him because he likes fighting off the back foot. He likes, you know, that jab on the outside and then when Holloway comes in after the jab he'll throw that little elbow inside that he did against Edgar he'll throw a one-two or he'll throw that hook he's you know it's not just his footwork defensively as well it's his footwork to like keep right in front of you Frank Edgar is a guy who loves to to change his angles and come at you from different angles Max Holloway is a guy who likes to do the same and Ortega did that 
uh, like expertly against uh, Frankie Edgar. If he can do a similar thing against Max Holloway, you know, stay on the back foot, stay, you stop Holloway from, you know, crowding him from getting into his space. He has an absolutely great chance, I think, from the outside because it'll force Holloway, you know, to get, you know, to, to get mad, to get, you know, to come in a, a little bit more, which will leave openings for Ryan Ortega. And there's also a thing as well that if you frustrate Holloway on the feet or, if, you know, whoever, if you're Brian Ortega and you frustrate your opponent on the feet, like, what's your opponent gonna gonna do? Are, are you know, if the striking is not going to, going to go their way, what are they going to do? Are they going to take you down? They're not. Like that was a big problem with Frank Edgar. He couldn't take Ortega down because he knows if he does take him down, you're you know you're you're basically in a piranha pit. You player, know yeah. exactly, and that that's a big thing I think uh, with Brian Ortega. That if if he can find a way of taking you out of your game on the feet, if he can find a way of beating you on the feet forcing you maybe to clinch him or to take him down you are fucked <laughs> you know it's it's you're you're literally caught between a rock and a hard place you're getting beat on the feet and you can't take it to the ground because he's so good there now can he do that to max holloway can he step it up another level i don't know i honestly i don't know we were that's why that's the beauty of it we'll, we'll see it about uh three o'clock in the morning or half three or whatever it is on on, on saturday night and uh I, i'm really looking forward to it to be honest, i, I tend to agree with you i think max i think max holloway is good enough i think he will be able to break through um brian ortega's jab and his footwork and everything like that but it's dangerous it is so dangerous like if he you know if he has to force it any bit if if he has to push him up against the the cage and get a clincher at any stage so dangerous you could see him going down going for a leg lock you can see him getting a neck you can see him you know taking his back that's all he needs take his back once and the fight's over max holloway's good but brian ortega is on is do, on do, a do you level. think it is that like do you think it is if he gets on the back or or if he gets on, on top that it is game over like if as long as he isn't if there isn't like 20 seconds to go if, if he has a minute to work is that done do you think i think if I th you know if we're looking at back at, at what we've seen before from from him it is like i know club Swanson has been has been um submitted a lot but look he uh, submitted uh hinata micana he sub submitted clay guida uh D diego brando you know diego brando is a good guy in the ground you know, you look I, I and I know this is different. You know, even Frank Yeager, he probably would have submitted him as well if if it, if it had kept going. But he, he ended up knocking him out. But this is it's it's a different step up. You know, we and we never know. We talk about it so often. You know, we talked about it with, with Colby a couple of weeks ago as well. You know, stepping up, fighting five rounds. Is he going to be different fighting five rounds as well? You know, will he be? You know, will he be as game to jump on something to to waste his energy in the first round when he's fighting over five rounds? You know, he fought over five rounds uh, one, twice before, I believe, or, or went to five rounds. Anyways, he's uh, you know, in outside of the UFC, never in the UFC, uh, never got there anyway. So that's you know, that's a big thing. There's a lot of different integers coming in here. This is you know, you you talk about it all the time as well. You know, guys getting nervous and stuff. This is the biggest card of the year, and he's fighting in the co-main event against you know one of one of the most popular guys in the UFC, you know, a guy who's fought Conor McGregor, who people who people know. This, you know, it's it's a big spot for Brian Ortega. If he can, he, he seems like a level-headed guy, though, doesn't he? He seems like a guy who can rise to this, you know, and and give his best performance. And and if he does, I think he's every shot of beating Max Holloway. But I think Max Holloway is an excellent fighter. So you know, as, you know, as you were talking about break the distance, throw leg kicks, throw hard shots, absolutely kill a guy over three rounds, you know, and it's. It's a beautiful fight, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's great having two fights at the top that are like you can see going both ways, and therefore both are belts. And one of them is a a super fight, which you know we, we we there's a lot of talk of super fights for years and years and years. We actually very rarely get to see them. Like, yeah, yeah, we don't. The last yeah. the last super fight 
was McGregor and Alvarez and the lighter guy absolutely murked the heavier guy, but I don't see it going as, as smoothly as that for Cormier anyway. Mm-hmm, 100%. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. Oh God, this is a fun. This is a fucking fun card. I can't wait for this. Uh, I, I actually went back and watched a couple of Derek Lewis fights, especially the Travis Brown fight because I think Travis Brown is is <laughs> a little yeah, great bit, crack. It's a little bit like Francis Ngannou, but it was. I actually turned that fight off pretty early because it was it was kind of pointless because the first shot Travis Brown. Uh, true, he he kicked Derek Lewis in the body, and then he was going around holding his summer for the rest of the fight. So you know, unless that happens again, it's kind of pointless watching. But you know, watching some other Lewis's other fight fights, he just kind of stays back, tries to counter you, throw the big shot, gets very tired, tries to fall on top of you. You know, when he gets in in the mount, he's unbelievable. If this fight gets to the ground, you know, and Francis singing oh, has his back on the ground, and Derek Lewis is on top of him, Derek Lewis will will more than likely finish this fight. You know, for, from mount because Francis doesn't look that good, but. I I can't see Francis Ngannou not knocking him out in the first round. To be honest, I just think Derek Lewis is too slow, gets hit too much. He's he's a good, you know, he's an okay counter striker. You know, if you get too wild, but if Francis Ngannou can just picky shots for three minutes rather than going completely insane, uh, I think he should knock Derek Lewis out. I'm gonna go with my usual Derek Lewis pick of um, he's gonna be look absolutely horrific until he wins by knockout. Yeah, like <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, like Francis took a bit of he took a bit of a beating like in the last one. Um, I definitely would have picked Francis and Ganyu before, and I'll pick Francis and Ganyu now. But it's it's definitely a bit a bit more trepidation in the pick. I think like I think Derek Derek Lewis is is going to beat uh, like ninety percent of the guys in the division. But I think Francis and Ganyu. With it, with a bit more time, is going to be elite, and I think, I think it's an important fight for Francis Ngannou here as well because he's coming off two losses, and it, if he's to lose to Derek Lewis, I, I think he's going to lose by being finished, uh, like TKO'd or KO'd. So it's important that it, for him that it doesn't happen, that it doesn't happen again to him that another loss. Uh, but I think he's going to have too much for Derek Lewis, especially early. I think them big shots are are going to land, and I say. Francis Ngannou must have went back after that after that title shot and looked at some of the some of the things that went wrong and worked on them. So uh, I'd have to pick Francis Ngannou, but I I'm, I'm not I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's winning handily, um, beating Derek Lewis up all over the place and then just gets KO'd with a grand and pound shot after after I don't know Derek Lewis falls on top of him somehow. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, like. Has he gone back and improved himself? You know, logically we think, yeah, maybe he has. You know, he's improved. He's taken on the fence, improved his wrestling. You know, maybe improved his cardio a little bit. Don't don't I think, think he must have. He's only like four years into the sport, isn't he? He's mm-hmm. literally a baby in the sport. Yeah, but this is this is the thing. Like <clears throat> some some guys, they have a big loss like that, and they come out and the next fight they look absolutely smashing. And some guys they do that. Their next fight, they come out, they look smashing for two yeah. or three minutes, and then they get put against the Vince and they get taken down. And all those thoughts, you know, five rounds of Steve Miocic beating right. the head off him comes back to his head, and he realizes again, which guy is Francis Ngannou going to be? You know, <clears throat> is he going to be the nail or is he going to be the hammer? That's that's what I'm looking forward to seeing this fight because I like if he has the right mindset, if he can come back, if he can put two or three more wins together, I still think Frank Francis Ngannou can be the best uh, heavyweight in the world. I I, I I really, I believe in his skills. As you said, you know, what, three, four years uh, as a pro, 
you know, Stipe Miocic at, at his stage was, was even in the UFC or, you know, as you mentioned earlier on, lost to, to Stefan Struve and stuff like that. You know, I still think Francis Ignacio is a great fighter, but this is a huge fight. You know, he's coming back relatively quickly, you know, against Francis. We, you know, at the time we were thinking, take, you know, take a few months off, come back maybe at the end of the year uh, and, and fight again, improve yourself. But I think Derek Lewis... I think he's a good matchup for him, you know, unless it goes to the second or third round and, and they both get tired and Derek Lewis ends up on top. I like I don't think Derek Lewis has a big um has a big wrestling uh attack. I don't think he's gonna be able to take Francis down early. And if he does, you know, if it's it's a bad, very, very bad sign for Francis. But you know, I think he should use his speed, use his power and and get the finish uh, pretty early here. But as you mentioned, as I mentioned, with yeah, I think Lewis, the, the most likely the most likely outcome is a first or second round KO, probably a first round KO for for Ngannou. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's move on. Um, Michael Chiesa against uh, Anthony Pettis. Obviously, this was was supposed to happen before, but thanks to allegedly some Irish lightweight, um, <laughs> it was it was it was called off. Uh, it's look, it's it's an interesting fight for me as well. Coming into that fight. Anthony Pettis, you know, he was saying the right things, you know, and I remember I, I heard one interview with him. I'm not exactly sure. It was our one, was it? Was it? Maybe, yeah, but he, I mean, it could have been, yeah. And he was like, you know, he was talking about how things have changed, how he's realized that he needs to fight differently and things like that. I was like, God, that's this is a good time. You know, Michael Kiesa is a good fighter, but I think, you know, Pettis, if Pettis can keep away from him, you know, if he can stop the takedown, and, uh, you know, I think he can beat Michael Kiesa, but. You know, it's a good bit since that Anthony Pettis talks a good game a lot of the time and doesn't come in and show it. Look, Michael Kiesa is obviously the 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 pick here, but if Pettis can, you know, he can't. But I, I don't know. I always have a little See, bit of hope for Anthony Pettis because the thing, can, the thing with Kiesa is he's really good grappler, but is are his takedowns that good? Mm. I know Pettis' takedown defense is is just terrible. Uh, it hasn't. They don't need to be good against Pettis. Yeah, exactly, but. I could see Pettis catching him like Case uh, is very hittable on the feet, like, and I know once he gets to the ground, and he gets to your back, it's it's over. But uh, uh, Pettis is very underrated on the ground as well. I don't think it's like uh, if Case gets him down, it's all over job. Like I think there's going to be opportunities for Pettis here, and I think mm-hmm. I think a high level striker is going to be able to land shots on Case. So I, I actually I actually think uh, I probably go with Pettis in this one. Well, yeah. Look, the thing about Pettis is as well, like. He isn't one of those guys. I don't think it is a case of Kiesa takes him down and it could be all over. I believe he's more submission wins than he has knockout wins. P- Pettis is unbelievable in the ground. Like, and after his last fight, he's, I he's, talked he's, about he's Pettis. He submitted some really good guys as well. Like guys who've Sharon's never been submitted before. Like, I don't, I'm pretty sure Gilbert Melendez had never been submitted and he just guillotined him in the first round. Benson Henderson, he armbarred him uh, in the first round, I think it was as well. Yeah. And it was so shocking that the crowd didn't even know what was going on when celebra- mm-hmm. Pettis was really away celebrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, so, it, it, you know, it's, it's a weird fight, but as well, like, I think Chiesa does have the ability to push Pettis against the fence and keep him there for a long time. Look, I, I've talked about Pettis so many times before, people are probably sick of me, like, but if you do push Pettis against the fence, and it's, even before that, if you if you get into Pettis' grill, you know, and try to push him against the fence, nine times out of ten more than that 99 times out of 100 you are doing that because he's just he accepts positions too much you know Pettis is Pettis is too good all around for his own good you know he, he accepts the positions against the cage because he's good against the cage you know he accepts takedowns because he's good off of his back you know he accepts positions he'll go for the guillotine because he is a good guillotine but those things maybe work you know <laughs> every second time or whatever and then the other time he just gets taken down or pushed against the fence for three rounds we saw against you know against uh 
against Eddie Alvarez as well, and, and loads of other fights. We've just seen him every time pushed against the, the fence and, and taken down. And there's a blueprint there to beat Anthony Pettis. If like what I thought, I, I got some heart with it. Was, it sounded like he had realized that there's a blueprint to beat him, and he'd moved away from it. But he's he's talked about that before. You know, he'd moved to Greg Jackson's and stuff like that, and. It never did him any good before, so will it do him any good here? I suppose we will find out, but, uh, you know, you're going for Pettis. I'm, I'm still going for, for Chiesa, but I'm looking forward to, to seeing it as well. Uh, yeah, you're, and then the big one. Your boy, Gokan Saki. What do you think of this one? Against Khalil Roundtree. I think Saki looked horrific uh, until yeah. he won uh, against a guy who was fighting the worst possible game plan you could possibly imagine. Uh, I think he looked absolutely terrible, Saki. I don't know what people... There was a weird reaction on, on social media and in the MMA media to... I think uh, no, people were like not watching or something until the knockout or just saw the gif or something. I don't know what the fuck people were talking about because he looked absolutely horrific in mm-hmm. like the best possible... Like he, If he could have drawn up a guy to, to come at him uh, in a way that would suit him best, that would have been it. And he still was getting tagged all over the place. And he looked really tired really early. Um, <sighs> Khalil Roundtree is, is not great anywhere. Uh, his striking is definitely his best best part, but hopefully he won't try to do it. I think he's I think I think he's a competent enough wrestler to tire Saki out at least against a cage or get him on his back and tire him out and then once once he has him tired out then I think he's he he'll be having enough to win. I think Khalil Roundtree is in, I think his last fight he was in way better shape than he was in, in his whole career. Uh at least from the, the ultimate fighter and UFC so I just see Khalil Roundtree, if he's smart, if he fights in any way smart here, I think it's an easy win for him. But when somebody, when people, Saki can obviously hit really hard and is a high-level striker, but his cardio doesn't look to be there and his MMA game doesn't look to be there. So you'd have to go with Khalil Roundtree in this one. Um, Gokan Saki is a favorite to win this fight. I'm just looking at best, best fight right. odds, and I think that is that is insane. I, th- I think Khalil Roundtree wins this fight easily. How big a He's plus one twenty. Gokansaki is minus oh, one forty. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, he's similar. He's, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But I'm surprised yeah. it's not. It's yeah. I, uh, people must be just watching that gif of uh, Gokansaki's <laughs> only MMA, only professional MMA win. Yeah, he's just. I think does he have one? More? I think he's in fight, doesn't he? I he's think he lost. He was zero and one, and then he he was getting yeah. tagged up by a grappler who decided to fight the worst game plan ever. Yeah, that was and, that was and, true. But yeah, it's yeah. Go, lucky, maybe he's improved. It was like, really frustrating to watch a bad game plan. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh my god, what are you doing? Yeah, it was like Tyson Pedro last week. Um, it wasn't I that bad. It wasn't or that Tyson, bad. Tyson Pedro wasn't that bad. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he wasn't, no, but it was no, close. No one here. The worst uh, I've ever seen. Well, I don't know actually. There's been a few bad ones. <laughs> there has, there has. Remember, people were talking about Eddie Alvarez having a terrible game plan, not to try to take Conor McGregor down. It's like, motherfucker, he's trying, he's trying to take him down. He's just getting the head fucked off him. Like, yeah. what, what the fuck are you talking about? Every time he steps into the range, he gets blasted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway, geez, there's so many great fights in this. Um, Daniel Hooker yes. against Gilbert Burns. Before we get to the other ones, yeah. like that. How this is actually a fucking. This is a great fight. Daniel Hooker has looked. Absolutely superb lately, hasn't he? You know, coming from that uh that knee knockout of of uh of, what's he's a Ross Pearson, been beating Mark Casey by by guillotine, been beating Jim Miller, absolutely fucking destroying Jim Miller. Um, you know, after I believe he moved up away, didn't he? He moved. Yeah, up he looked. He looked. He's, he has looked way better at one fifty five. Um, like some of these guys, when they move up to the weight and they look big at the weight above, you you always think. I always think like 
geez, how the fuck did they make weight? Like, you know, yeah. he just looks like if you were looking at him and he'd never been to featherweight, you, you wouldn't even consider that as a possibility that he would drop down to featherweight. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's grown into his body a bit, but he just looks huge. Uh, he, do, he looks big for 155 and he looks like he'd be absolutely massive 45 or like yeah. it's kind of like with Conor McGregor in the Eddie Alvarez fight like the size of him you're just like how does that guy make 145 mm-hmm. and then you look at him on a scale and you're like well that's how he makes it <laughs> it's just like he's about to die yeah. like this so is a great fight yeah I think the Daniel Hooker has, yeah. has really come into his own because like cutting that much weight is definitely you can't concentrate on improving your, your skill set and game plan and technique as, as much as when you're worrying about a weight cut the whole time and you're not eating properly and it, it's just it's just you don't have as much energy to train when you're not eating properly for for weeks out and all that stuff so i think i think daniel hooker has looked the best he's ever looked and, and this little streak he's on at 155 and i think i think gilbert gilbert burns does pose some problems but i think daniel hooker just is going to have too much uh on the feet from yeah i agree as well I, look gilbert burns he's never lost the fight inside the distance all but one of his wins are from uh, either submission or uh or knockout so you know this, this is a this is a great fight and that's on the you know that that's on the fight pass prelims yeah. and, uh, opening up the fight pass prelims is a fucking great fight yeah, lando right? vanada and drakkar closer that's a that, what a, what an opening fight like that's like the old days where you'd have a card every three weeks maximum and the opening fight would be would be a good fight and it, like mm-hmm. you see it very rarely these days but that's a great fight like that is Lando Vanada is one of my favorite fighters to watch. Okay, maybe he, he like, you know, from a technical standpoint, he's very hittable and stuff, but he, he's willing to get hit to, to hit. And I think, I, I think it's a, it's a, the Lando wanna, like, if Lando doesn't win early, he, he, he'll probably lose, but I, I think he's gonna win early. Do you? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I fancy Drakkar on that. Like, I think he's, I think he's a good game plan. I think he's the type of guy that Lando has struggles a little bit with. You know, he's an all rounder. He will push the pace against, mm. against Lando. But still, like Lando's yeah. only lost to, you know, to really good guys. You know, lost to David yeah. Timo, who I think is top class. Lost to Tony yeah. Ferguson. And he took Tony Ferguson's head off about four times yeah. as well on like fucking five days notice or some shit like. Mm-hmm. That Bobby Green fight was was close. Yeah. It was a draw. You know, as well, like Mark Jacquesi, like you know, uh, a close fight was a split decision, and Jacquesi didn't have a leg for like you know fourteen and a half minutes of the fifteen minutes to mm-hmm. stand on. Like I know Draco Close did the damage to his leg, but like if a guy is on one leg, you, you would like if I don't know, it's, like it's definitely like beating Mark Jacquesi is a is a great win, but then he he goes out there and. Uh, David Tamer beats him. I know David Tamer's a good fighter, but he's not an elite fighter yet. He he may be one in the future. And I don't think Lando's an, uh, an elite fighter either. But he's he, as you said, he's four elite fighters, and he landed good punches on elite fighters. And he's he, he kind of you know you never know what kind of strike he has a very good arsenal of strikes. I think that's going to be that's going to be too much for uh, for Drakkar closer early. But it's it's. Uh, it's 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 if Lando can put him away while he's dominating early, I think is the is the thing, and you know at, at lightweight there's not a lot of guys who have knockout power, but I think Lando is one of them, mm-hmm. um, and I think if I had to bet, I'd go with Lando to, to finish this early, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if if Lando's winning early, landing a lot of strikes, doing damage, and then ends up getting tired, which he's known to do, and then Draco close, I just kind of fights a smart game plan and edges out a twenty nine twenty eight job like so. Uh, hopefully for the the fun factor, Lando gets to finish because when Lando when Lando's on form, it is brilliant to watch. And but um, it's a tough one to pick. Like there's a lot, like you know, there's a lot of fights on this card where they're all like, even if you look at the bookies, 
there might be a couple of guys that are big enough favorites, but a lot of the fights are really hard to pick. Like even like okay, Stipe is a big favorite with the bookies, but like oh, I think Cormier is going to do it, and then maybe like uh, Max Holloway's. I don't know. I don't know what the odds are on that, but I'd say Max Holloway is a sizable favorite. But Ortega can has many methods to victory, and then like Derek Lewis is obviously a massive underdog as well. I, I would bet. I haven't uh, seen. Yeah. Or, Derek, Derek Lewis plus three fifteen. Brian Ortega plus one thirty five. Uh, Steve Ben minus two forty. Jesus, Daniel Cormier is a plus two twenty. Yeah, I saw that the other day on Paddy Perry. He's a huge. He's a huge underdog. That's interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I have the odds up here now. Hold on, uh, they're in a weird order. Yeah, there's Derek Lewis. Yeah, Derek Lewis is a four point one five underdog, but like you know, he has he has methods of victory. Mm-hmm. Anthony Pettis, un- underdog, sizable enough underdog, methods of victory. Like uh, Khalil Roundtree's underdog, <laughs> lots of methods of victory. Like mm-hmm. this is like, like even 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 that Paulo Costa yeah, Uriah Hall fight. Like, you know, Uriah Hall is a huge favorite, like a uh, huge is favorite. It? A guy who he's four or sorry, he's a huge underdog, but uh, Uriah, Uriah Hall. But he's a guy who, when he's on form, can can land a devastating strike out of nowhere and put you away. So like all these fights, they could go either way, and that's that's a brilliant card. I'm I'm excited about this. Even the opening fights, the the, the prelims, the 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 fight pass prelims, the TV prelims, the main card, it's all there's like there's not there's only a couple of fights in there where you're like, no, nah, I don't really care about that fight. I like, but yeah. ninety percent, like all but two or three of the fights are are really interesting to me, and I'm really looking forward to them, which is rare enough these days. Like a lot of the cards are kind of pasted together with half decent fights and then half crap fights, and mm-hmm. maybe that will happen by the time the weigh-ins come and all that stuff. And but <laughs> you, know, you never count your chickens in in MMA, but. Uh, the fact that Cormier isn't cutting weight is it probably means that well, it probably means that that fight is nothing going to happen with that fight. Yeah, hopefully like, anyway. Even uh, even like Curtis Melinder versus Max Griffin, that's a good fight. Jamie Mile versus Emily Whitmire on the prelims, that's a good fight. Like the and the two we haven't mentioned in, we'll get to the the, the big one. It's like Rafael Asensio against Rob Font. Like Rafael Asensio has is on an absolute roll here. You know, after losing yeah. to Rob Font good as well, but. Yeah. Yeah. But Aston say I was just going to make him look shit, I'd say, and just mm-hmm. win 30-27 uh, like he usually does against everybody who's not elite. And even when they are elite, like Tito Dillashaw, he can, he can beat you 29-28, just making it scrappy as fuck and dragging you down to to whatever game he, he wants to play. He just... He's, it's extremely difficult to look good against Aston Sao. Um And... I think Aston is going to win a decision here, and I think he's only a he's only a slight favorite, so there might be some good value on uh, him by decision. Yeah, uh, what do you think about this Paul Felder versus uh, Mike Perry fight? Obviously, Paul Felder got his fight with mm. uh, Jesus. What's his, what's your man's name that he was supposed to fight? Um, James Vick was it? Was it James Vick? Oh yeah, James Vick. Yeah, James Vick. Yeah, uh, James Vick was fighting uh, Justin Gaethje now, I believe, after Alaya Quinta. That's uh, so good, isn't it? Yeah, that's going to be great. But Paul Felder against Mike Berry, I think that's I think that's a fantastic fight. I've I've ever, even though Paul Felder's gone up to welterweight, I've ever Paul Felder. I think he's improved an awful lot recently. I I've never read Mike Perry that well. You know, Mike Perry has that big knockout shot as well, which which could be a factor. But I I've ever Paul Felder, Paul Felder here. How do you yeah. Think see it? Yeah, I I think I think Paul Felder is going to win this as well. Um. I just think he's. I think we talked about it before, like a, a few fights ago for Paul Felder. We were saying he lost that killer instinct. He just, he just seemed to have lost something that he used to have. And he's obviously he's technically like really well-rounded fighter and can can do can do everything to a a pretty high level. But 
he just had lost i don't know he'd lost some kind of spark or something but then even since we said since we said that a few fights ago he he's he's regained it and even it's even better than it was before and he's he's added brutal elbows to his ground and pound which is, he just looks like he he looks like he's something's clicked in paul feather's game mm-hmm. that, that kind of went missing for a while and mike perry as you kind of like what you said like i just i just don't know about mike perry i don't I, he's like he's definitely a good fighter he's 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 a good striker but he's very hittable as well he's he's a small welterweight that's why like you know i don't think it's gonna be a problem for for felder uh, going up there he's also on a two-fight losing streak uh perry uh it was obviously ponzinibbio and max griffin which which are tough guys but you know his wins are alex reyes jake ellenberger danny roberts And then uh, Hung Young Lim uh, in the UFC, so they're not great wins. They're all right, like you know, Jake Ellenberg is a good fighter, like five years ago, but he's he's definitely not half the fighter he was. He's chinny. Then Alex Reyes, like he's a good fighter, but he's not top level. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think Paul Paul Felder's top level, but I think something has clicked with him, and I think I think he's gonna he's probably gonna finish him here. He's probably gonna finish uh, Perry here. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, and we we'll keep this brief enough but the ultimate fighter finale is going down here as well on let me just look here Wednesday the 6th of July whenever that is um it's the day before is it not it's is it, is it Friday and Saturday I think all yeah. right oh, that's cool uh and you know there's not many great fights here we've Alex Cicero here against Martin Bravo former title challenger Roxy is fighting again Roxanne Medford against Bob Harnchek, the, the one we all want yeah, to see. Former UC title contender. Yeah, that's, that is true. That is true. <laughs> um, tell, tell us about Richie Smolland. Obviously, you know Richie Smolland a long time. Uh, we, you know, we talked about him last week and stuff, but he's fighting Luis Pena. Yeah. Richie Smolland, obviously, unbelievable on the ground, SPG, all that. Yeah, we we kind of talked about it last week. Yeah, if, if it hits the ground, uh, I, it's hard to know with Pena because I literally haven't seen him bar the um, bar on the Ultimate Fighter where, where he won, but he injured himself, so he couldn't. He couldn't continue in the tournament, mm-hmm. and then it's it's re- like when you don't know these guys, it's so hard to pick. But I just think, like even the way people were talking on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, the coaches and the other staff member or the other uh, fighters talking about Richie Smolin's ground game, they were talking about, oh, it hits the ground, like it's done, it's done in the fight. He was meant to fight fight in, and I think like you know, uh, obviously gyms like SBG and stuff like. Are, are gonna say their guys are good or whatever, but people have been raving about Richie Smullen's ground game for for years upon years, even before, when he was an amateur amateur fighter. And uh, you, you hear a lot of shit about oh this guy's brilliant, this guy's brilliant from gyms about their own teammates, and they turn out to be shit. But I I really do think that uh, Richie Smullen has a has a really good ground game, and he's he's got leg locks. He's got he's got he's got he's got a varied ground game he's not just a one-trick pony on the ground like he can he can he's, he's not he's not just a one-dimensional ground guy either he can he can land heavy leg kicks okay he's striking is maybe not his striking boxing wise isn't maybe the best and he he isn't really looking to get into a boxing match with anybody he's looking to play to his strengths and kind of land leg kicks and get inside and get the takedown or just get it to the ground by any means necessary and i think I, th- I was surprised to see the odds of, of how big an underdog Smolin is. It kind of makes me wary of of this um, this pen of of Pena. Like, just kind of maybe I'm underestimating him, but I'm looking at his uh, at his record, and two of his wins are by are to choke. And I, I don't think he's going to be choking Richie Smolin, but it is really hard 
to know. Like he has one punch knockout in his pro debut, uh, Pena, and then the, his other three wins are by submission. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to pick a fight when you don't know a guy. You, you, you've seen we've seen Pena in one fight on, on tough against a guy I hadn't heard of. So it's just really difficult to pick. But uh, uh, I'm looking at the odds, and Richie Smalls a massive underdog. Um, let me see if there's a prop bet actually. Is there? If there's prop bets, there could be some serious value on. Um, is your prop bet? One sec. Yeah, he's three point five, so a tenner would would return thirty five quid in total. Uh, but there's no um, prop bets yet. So if, if there is prop bets closer to the fight, Richie Smalls by submission could be a good price and. With the preface of I haven't seen this guy bar one fight against a guy I'd never heard of, I uh, I think Richie Smullins is probably going to win by submission. He I know Reese McKee lost at the weekend uh, to the former Bama welterweight champion, lost his lightweight belt, but he he had a serious back and forth uh, with with Reese McKee that went to a draw uh, in I think it was Smullins' last fight, was it or mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah. Smullins' last fight. So he's like we all know how good Reese McKee is. Like just because you lost to just because he lost last week doesn't take away from how much he's improved and his performance against uh, uh, Barnett as well. So I I, I think Smullen I think Smullen's going to win this one by submission. But yeah. I, 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 it's hard when you haven't seen it. Much mm-hmm. of the other guy. In the main event, in uh, Brad Tavares versus Israel Israel Adesanya, and I think this is terrible, terrible matchmaking. Um, <laughs> I, I just think it's awful. Like, why are you rushing Israel Adesanya into this? He fought Marvin Vittori in his last fight. I know he's thirteen and all, but he he looked good, grand against Marvin Vittori, and I, you know I, I praised him after that. But that's a fight which happens, and you give him you know another someone like Marvin Vittori. You know, you give him. You know, if you're giving him a step up, maybe give him Uriah Hall or something. But putting him in there against Brad Tavares, one of you know one of the best kind of mid card guys. You know, he beat Jot called uh, Talish Lettuce. Yeah, Elias very seasoned, yeah. very seasoned. This he's fought Robert Whitaker. He's fought Yoel Romero. You know, this is Lorenz Larkin. Like he's fought Tom Watson. He's he's fought Phil Baroni, Sepazinski, Court McGee, Aaron Simpson. Yeah, yeah he's fought. He's fought seasoned guys. He knows his way around. Like it's it, it's a very stern test for Adesanya. He's, he's he, we talked about it last week. I think when I was in New York, we talked about uh, WM, or uh, Endeavor as they're known now. The new the new owners of the UFC are just since Joe Silva's left. I think probably probably has something to do with it. They've been pushing mm-hmm. these prospects too quick. Um, we talked about Cejudo. We talked about um, Nganu. There's loads of them. I can't even remember some of them. Yeah. They push too quick, and even even guys that they have pushed in there, like Till against Wonderboy, who ended up getting the decision. Like he shouldn't have got the decision, in my opinion. He was pushed too yeah. fast against Wonderboy. It was an unnecessary risk to take. I think. Yeah, I agree. I, think I agree with that. But I do think uh, Adesanya is actually going to win this one. But I do think yeah. it is an unnecessary risk to take. Yeah, I don't. I think Tavares is going to win. Uh, I think he's he's going to have enough. I think he's over five rounds as well. And uh, look, Adesanya can win it. He's you know he's knockout power. He's a really really good striker. He could win this fight in the first round. And uh, we'll you know yeah. he look great and uh, definitely. But it's it's too much of risk. I think uh, I think Tavares is one of the smartest guys around. I think he's going to push him up against the fence. I, just, I think he's going to take him down. I think he's going to be wary of him a lot early. You know you could you could see Adesanya Adesanya win in the first one two rounds and then yeah, uh, Tavares come down. Or it's gonna go horribly wrong. For, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I look, it's it, it's a huge test for Adesanya if he can pass it. He's he's up there with the operation, as you like to say. But I think it's I think it's just a, a step too quickly. Uh, all right, let's move on. We're gonna hear uh, all night. 
that, that Reese McEvoy you mentioned it there. Um, look, obviously you haven't seen it yet, so I'll, I'll take people through it. It was obviously a very, you know, a very tough night um, for for Reese McKee. Um, Terry Razor, you know, he had a good game plan, push Reese McKee up against the fence, take him down, and that's basically what he did for the for the whole night. He got in the first round, he got on top. Um, Reese McKee turned around. He, he had a choke at one stage. wasn't wasn't fully in. Although the commentators were kind of roaring that was fully in. Uh, Terry got back up uh, and back near his feet. Terry clearly won that round. The second round, Terry was on top for the whole round, basically, apart from the the last uh, fifteen seconds. And in the third round as well, to, uh, Terry Brazier got a, a couple of takedowns. Reese McKee got back up a couple of times though, uh, and and did a little bit better on the third. But uh, he threw a, a, a body kick, I believe, or a leg kick at one stage and got taken down again. And that was kind of uh, kind of the end of it. You know. If, one of the lads asked us a question here and and um about Reese McKee and Reese McKee actually replied himself and I, I think there's actually someone running his account so I don't want to say it's him so it's, it's either him or the person running his account but how's and ever you know if you get someone to run your account and they tweet run, it and run, they, run, run there is yeah which I absolutely fucking hate to be to be honest I'm like don't do that Jesus if you're listening to this podcast you know yeah. the, the worst decision if, you if made, you are running the account don't answer questions pretending to be the person you can yeah, post stuff exactly. being like you know check out this video or whatever that I can understand yeah. that but don't pretend that you're the person and type i this i that my yeah. my this my that like it's just terrible yeah hopefully look hopefully so it wasn't like, anyway, but the way this is phrased yeah. i think this is probably reese because mm-hmm. if, if somebody is just impersonating him that is just weird yeah but uh, do you want to read it out there do you have the tweet up in front of you what they said um i'll get it now once uh, yeah well it was about the cage anyway someone asked about the cage being smaller it definitely was smaller and you know he said it it, uh, it hurt his ability to to stop the takedowns yeah. it was the question smaller. was um yeah, was andy, St- andy stevenson said uh was the cage smaller for the recent bam event if so how much of an impact do you think it had on reese mckee's takedown defense is it a hole in this game? And Reese McKee responded, four inches. It has four inches impact on my takedown defense. My takedown is a hole. Or take, my takedown isn't, he means takedown defense, isn't a hole in my game. Terry is a grinder. He was able to complete his takedown before I defended. It'd be very strange for somebody else to post something like that yeah. on behalf of Reese, but you never know. People... Uh, look, to, to be honest, I, I, I agree with the, the the smaller cage bit that that definitely had... Uh... That definitely had uh, that definitely made it easier for Terry Bridger to push him against the fence. But I think the fact that you know he said there about his his defense, you know, not being a hole. After what happened on Saturday night, you know, it might be a hole all the time. But I think on Saturday night it looked like a big hole. You know, he he see like we talked about Anthony Pettis a lot, and he was in his last fight. It was like the polar opposite. They were like he wasn't when he was getting pushed against the fence. He was. You know, getting the underhook, getting the over-under, pushing, uh, you know, turning his opponent around, pushing him against the fence. Now, I know Terry Brazier is a totally different um, opponent. He's unbelievably strong in that, but he seemed to accept, accept it a lot. You know, he was going for the guillotine a lot when you really shouldn't be, when you should be getting the underhook, pushing him up, you know, getting getting his uh, power to your upper body rather than your lower body, t- you know, taking legs out in you. He did it a couple of times now. He did he did it very well, especially once, got the underhook and got back up, turned him around and got out. So he proved he could do it. And that made it even a little bit more frustrating to, to you know, to see it. But uh, it's one of my pet peeves, you know, people talk, heard me talking about Anthony Pettis earlier. It's something he does all the time, you know. <clears throat> Hopefully it's... It must be difficult as well when you know you come in so confident your last fight, and in this fight you come in and you're taken on within 20 seconds or whatever. You know that's that's not going to be easy for someone who's only six or seven fights in as well. But you know it was, you know, Reese came out afterwards and and you know basically said you know it was a 
you know, not, not a kick up the arse so much, but something, you know, he's to go back and he's to keep working again and keep improving. And he just got beat by the better man, which is the sort of thing, you know, you want to hear. A lot of people just kind of make excuses and stuff afterwards, and he doesn't seem to be doing that. So, you know, hopefully, but I, I do think there is, you know, there is things to be worked on. And saying that, I think that's a fair thing to say after last week I came out and, you know, said that his previous performance was, you know, the best we've seen since, from an Irish MMA fighter since Conor McGregor, which I still think it was. So to throw the baby out with the batwater, you know, whether it's good or bad, whether, you know, that, you know, you look at this performance and say it's all bad or look at the last performance and say it's all good. I don't think either of those are fair. But, you know, if he can... If he can improve on the on the last performance, get more of the the previous performance back in, he's he, you know he still is going to be a real good fighter. And I think uh, Terry Brazier said as well that um, I think he's going back up the welterweight, so maybe that lightweight title will be on on the line again, and and Reese will be able to fight for it in his next fighter and a couple of fights down the line as well. So you know it's it's obviously a setback, but I don't think it's that much of a setback to be honest. I think it if anything, it's a good thing. You know he can make those improvements in that area and and you know move himself on and become a. You know, become the fighter. I think a lot of people think he can become. Yeah, lots of MMA are, are not that big a deal uh, as mm-hmm. they are in like, boxing, for example. Um, there's so many aspects to it, and like somebody like Terry Brazier, like I uh, like that was obviously going to be Terry Brazier's game plan. That's what he does, and I thought Reese McKee was going to be able to use his length, even though he was a welterweight guy. I thought Reese was going to be able to use his length to stay away and to land strikes and maybe take out Terry with a with a strike maybe early on, but. Uh, like I often seen the fight I was out at the time and I couldn't record it because it was on ITV and it's just awkward uh, in Ireland to record and you can't record on ITV on Sky but um, uh, Bam I haven't put the video up yet either so it's hard to comment on it but uh, yeah I, I thought Reese McKee was going to win the fight but um, if Terry Brazier was going to win the fight it was going to be the way it went down and uh, obviously Reese McKee has yeah. lost before and he's come back he lost Tim Burnett before and he came back and Looked, looked a completely different fighter against against the same guy and kind of yeah. took that win back. It looks like you, as you were saying, Terry's going to move back up, so he might not get his chance to uh, to rematch. But I think he's proven in the past that he can take a loss and use it to uh, to massively benefit him in improving his game. And I think I think it's likely that he'll do that again. He's definitely mm-hmm. he's, he's definitely uh, got the right mindset for it. I think, and he's still very young and he's still improving. I think so. Uh, yeah, I think. Reese McKee still has a very, very bright future. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Rashad Evans and uh, Johnny Hendricks both retired this week. Which, I think the most important question here is, which one will be back first? Ooh. Um, Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, I'd say Johnny as well, yeah. Like, he'll definitely be back. Rashad Evans, Rashad you wouldn't want to be back because he can, can't get cleared in most states or half the states or some states at least. He's and he's... He's threatened it a lot before, so I'd say he's probably has more money as well than Johnny, although you wouldn't know. Yeah, look, the if you want to look back at their careers, I think they bought a very good career. With Johnny Hendricks, people tend to to say, oh, you know, he kind of fell off a cliff and he was never any good. But like Johnny Hendricks, you know, he, for all intents and purposes, he beat GSP, you know, and was the first one to do it in six or seven years or whatever it was. You know, he yeah. great for classic well, well, fights. Well. Yeah, <laughs> classic fights with uh with Robbie Lawler and you know things obviously went down from as well. You know, there's talk a lot of people talk about Usada and stuff, but. I don't know with Johnny Hendricks. There's lots of guys I suspect, and if if I did if I did suspect him, I wouldn't say anything here. But for Johnny Hendricks, I just think he got to the top of the mountain, and then he just stopped giving a shit. To be honest, <laughs> you know, because it was he kind of lost his head and stuff, and he was giving these weird interviews and just being really weird. I I don't know. I always thought Johnny Hendricks. I know, you know, I never really thought of him, but maybe I'm wrong or whatever. But that's just just my thoughts. But Rashad Evans, you know, I think a lot of people, newer fans. 
especially wouldn't really appreciate Rashad for what he was. You know, he was a, a top quality fighter. You know, that, that Phil Davis fight, especially, he absolutely took Phil Davis to town. You know, he's won the, won the title back in the day and knocked out Chuck Liddell in a, you know, a huge, uh, a huge fight. Took John Jones five rounds, probably. Well, maybe he didn't give me his hardest fight. That was a really strange fight. Where it, Army, it, was, it was Jones just kind of cruised to victory, and Rashad just kind of did nothing. Yeah, it was, it was a really a, odd fight. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, he did in fair, but it was. He went closer, closer to going kind of skill for skill with John Jones than anyone else. You know when, you know, Carmi didn't really. When, when Gustafson did it though, I think he. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I think when Gustafson did it, he like. I don't know, he kind of beat John Jones for a time and then John Jones beat him for a time and it was a kind of a back and rather than, you know, I think it was like a 25 minutes, you know, kind of skill for skill fight with, between, and I don't know, I'm making no sense here. I'm, I'm, we've been talking for too long, but yeah, anyway, Rashad Evans is a good fighter anyway, and they'll both be back. So there you go. Uh, Bellator is... Hashtag yeah. Bellator signed with the zone this week. Uh, and I suppose the most important news, and there was a Bellator card as well at the weekend, but I haven't seen it and I didn't even see the results, and it's not on TV here, so we're not going to talk about it. But Bellator signed with the zone this week. They're going to have, I don't know, a, a lot of cards which are only on the zone, not on TV. Uh, and they're going to be in America and like Japan and Germany places, not here in the UK and Ireland. They, they had Gareth Day Davis, who's basically their PR guy at this stage, uh, put out an article saying that, oh, there's something coming in the UK, which we've heard about 20 times before, and I don't believe it for one second. Uh, so basically, it's what Bellator have done is signed with a streaming service, which is probably going to make it harder for us to watch the fights now because it's going to be harder to get streams of those things because, you know, if you want, you know, Spike TV or Paramount or Fox or wherever, you, you know, it's handy enough to get streams for us. But now it's going, this is going to be, this is going to be a nightmare, I think, getting streaming. You know, they'll probably, we'll probably get Well, them. like, it'll be tough to get streams for people who don't know how to use the internet, but for anybody no, but I, the internet, it'll be know. easily, easily found. Yeah, I suppose, but <laughs> but there's there's been other like even some I don't know some other things back in the day where they're only streamed. It's tougher to get streams of them, you know. It's and I don't want to name names here because I'm just giving away what I'm streaming, but not the OC or anything. But like, let's say ones that are on like Flow Combat or something. Like if there was a big card on that, and if it's only on there over in America, and you want to get a stream of it here, I, I find it's like it's a lot harder to get streams. At least here, you know, there's like a fucking Paramount 24 hour stream going, or Spike TV, or Fox, yeah. or whatever, and it's easier to get them. So, you know, but there are no big cards on Flow Combat ever. No, but even like like that uh Chael Sonnen thing where John Jones uh, grappled uh Chael Sonnen back in there. Like if you wanted to watch that, oh, you could watch. You're it. talking about fights, not quote fight. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anymore. But uh, yeah, have you any thoughts on this Bellator design thing? Uh, it doesn't affect us. Uh, no, not really. It's just it's nothing. It's a nothing thing. Yeah. Do you think they'll uh, actually ever get a TV deal here, or are they just talking shite again? <sighs> Uh, it's, it's hard to believe anything they say. Like Scott Coker doesn't even seem to know if he doesn't even didn't even seem to know UK and Ireland existed, even though he was in Ireland. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, let's move on to your questions here, everybody. Thanks uh, for tuning in so far. Thanks everyone for signing up on Patreon as well. Actually, when we're talking about Bellator, if you're not on the sphere on Instagram, you're missing out. Um, picture two icons went up: myself and uh, Dylan Dennis. <laughs> yeah, I posted a picture of me, myself and Dylan Dennis, and Dylan replied saying "icons." I thought that was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. I, I hope he was trolling, but uh, somehow I don't think he was. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I was over in New York. Dylan, Dylan brought me in to, uh, you know, he's going to be fighting some horrific opponents in uh, his next few fights. So he brought in me to, to, you know, 
show him what what, what these horrific striking <laughs> opponents or uh, these horrific opponents will, will look like in sparring. Uh, but uh, as Michael Bisping once said, let's just say I'm the unofficial strike force champion. <laughs> I remember a, a couple of weeks, a couple of, like a like a week ago, you sent me a picture of the two East Baron. Was like, this, this is not, this is never going to come out now. But then, like, like four days later, you just tell people yeah. on a podcast that that wasn't that. No, that you, you, we can't talk about we can't talk about Baron. That's a we can't put out footage. But let's just let's just say what Bisping said on the unofficial what, strike. Work. Did did he slip or was it a knockdown? What do you think? Yeah, no, I got I got uh, taken down immediately. <laughs> uh, and had no chance on the ground. Yeah. Who's who's better on the ground, him or King Mo? Oh uh, Jesus! Well, my tailbone wasn't in uh, wasn't in as bad a way after. See, I was really drunk that time with uh, King Mo, and I didn't notice that I was badly bruising my tailbone repeatedly until I woke up the next day. Who else so, have you grappled uh, with? Is there anyone else you have you grappled with? McGregor, John Kavanaugh, Artem, any of these boys? Um, no, no. no. This is going to be an article on, on Bloody Elbow tomorrow. You do know that, don't you? Dylan Dennis, inside source, Dylan Dennis. Says, <laughs> Dylan Dennis takes down a random guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, let's get Go on. With ease. Takes down a random guy with ease. Uh, yeah, fair enough. All right, let's get to the questions. Everybody sign up. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Men Podcast. We've decided, actually, the well, I just decided I didn't telegram yet, but the... Um, the state of the UFC, there's no point doing it this week, really, is there? Because there's three title fights coming up, so we wouldn't be able to discuss really what's next for three divisions. So we'll do that next week instead. So that's coming up there. I believe Graham has an interview coming up this week. Um, I'm going to have Philip O'Connor on as well Monday or Tuesday to talk about the World Cup so far, and we'll have another one after that. Uh, and we're I'm going to I'm going to drag in Graham or trying to drag in someone else to do a podcast uh, again after maybe the weigh-ins or after the card on Friday or something like that. We're going to have lots of stuff this week, and anyway. I'm going to have the rewatch. I'm going to have another Q and A and everything. So please sign up severe me or what's at patreon.com forward slash severe mma podcast if you listen to this podcast it's only like four quid a month you you get over it. go on sign up we need like and if you're, if you're dirt poor and can't afford it just uh no hassle just go and give us a five-star rating on uh on in, in itunes or whatever podcast that you use and that would be massively helpful as well yeah, and tweet out the podcast as well. So here you go. Uh, Jack Durgis asked a question. Cheers for podcast, lads. This is over on Patreon. Uh, would like to hear Sean's thoughts, speculations on the MMA situation. Is Luke taking over and going head to head at Ariel's new show? How, how smart of an idea was that? Ariel recently said there's a story behind why he wasn't able to keep the show name. Lots of disgruntled fans complaining about having to pay content for ESPN Plus. Any hot takes? Um, well, this was actually since last week. I was, I was actually in, in New York getting beat up by Dylan Dana, so I kind of missed all, all of this. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll talk about it. Um, look, I think it's. I actually think uh, when this happened initially, I was talking to a few people, and I was like, you know, if Luke did try to go head to head, you know, show for show with Ariel, that was going to be a terrible idea, obviously, because you know, Ariel, Ariel is the king of that. But his first, the one he did, was f- really fantastic, you know. And if, if it wasn't, I'd give Luke shit. I've given Luke shit <laughs> plenty of times on the floor before, but I like what he did. I, you know, a couple of interviews which were good did got dan hardy on and did a breakdown uh, of the the card the week for which is absolutely fantastic you know he had danny score on i thought it was good as well really good i really enjoyed it i like uh, you know i like how it's shorter I, I you know it's on a little bit earlier as well which is good for us over here and then you look at ariel's ariel's doing you know the same things he always did you know really long but you know if you want to break it up you know in three or four podcasts over a week fair enough you know ariel shows great if you you know the, the big interviews you want to see that's where you go for him. Like, so I think it's, you know, I think it's good. I think we need more breakdowns and stuff like Luke had with 
with uh, Dan Hardy. Uh, you know, we've lost Patrick Oyman as well. He's he's left the Heavy Hands podcast this week, which is a huge blow for MMA because, like, there really isn't that many people breaking down cards. You know, we try to do it as best we can, but, like, there isn't that many other people apart from us doing that. And it's good, I think, that Luke is doing that on the biggest stage possible. And it's good that, you know, Ariel is still doing what he does. He's the best at doing that. So, look, I think this is good all around. The ESPN Plus thing, you know, it, paying for content... <laughs> I, this is a, a, a Patreon question. <laughs> it's a bit weird, but paying for content is grand, but obviously we can't get it, so that's a bit shitty for us. But Ariel tweeted there a couple of weeks ago that it, things are in the works, and I hope he doesn't go full Bellator on us, but <laughs> I don't think Ariel will do that. So, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get that soon. But look, it, it's I think it's good for uh, good for everyone what's going on here. So there you go. That's that. Um, more Patreon questions if I can get them here. Daryl Sullivan, hypothetically speaking, do you think the sport of MMA as a whole would benefit from fighters not being tied to one organization, having a similar situation to boxing with fighters uh, able to co uh, compete for the UFC Bellator title? 99% uh, unlikely to ever happen with the sport means to have uh, stagnated a bit. And since the huge surge in popularity in the last few years, just interested in your takes on that one. Uh, Dalton Sickney says after that, the solution I think is for fighters to have freedom, sign charter contracts. With, yeah, which I would uh, agree mm -hmm. with. I look. What, what do you think? I, I, I think it'd be better for the fighters, but I don't think it'd be better for the sport. I think we'd miss out on that. There'd be a lot more politics. We'd miss out on a lot more big fights and stuff like that. But for the fighters, I think they'd be able to get more money and stuff like that. I do agree with Dalton that shorter, uh, shorter contracts are the way to go. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know why guys who are in strong positions sign such long contracts so often. Um, mm -hmm really strange um i know every, like 90 percent of fighters want to be in the ufc and maybe they're just happy to not cause a fuss but it's a short career and you got to make you got to make hay while the sun shines as, as the the saying goes so yeah i think i think shorter contracts does make more sense obviously the ufc are pushing for longer contracts because they can just cut you at any time uh, during the during the contract so it benefits them brilliantly uh, to keep doing this and but for a fighter definitely shorter contracts makes way more sense yeah, uh, Sean Dini, who do you think would win, Nico Mantegna or Antonia Shevchenko? Um, I think Mantegna probably would at this stage, but Shevchenko looks good. She looks like she's know. a good yeah. prospect. Yeah, maybe not. I think I go the other way. Yeah, it's Valentina's sister now. You do know yeah. that? No, I do. Yeah, but like just how Mantegna looked, mm, I think I think Shevchenko's strike can be too much. Mm -hmm. uh, Blake Henderson what do you think of Chad Mendes' return to UFC I see him smashing Miles Jory but I don't think he has another title run left in him what do you think um, yeah we talked about this uh, a while back look I, I think Chad Mendes if he can come back and he is 100% Chad Mendes he's a great chance of beating Miles Jory I really like Miles Jory though I think he, he's good he uses his length a lot uh, he's good underground as well but it's a tough one this is the, the type of one as well where coming into us all the talk is just going to be speculation you know we have to see what Chad Mendes is like coming back, you know, there was a lot of talk of, you know, when, when Mendes is out of camp, he doesn't train, he goes up to the mountains and you wouldn't see him for six months and then he'd get a fight and you'd see him for yeah, eight months in camp. And so that is very worrying. Two-year right? uh, two yeah. ban, like that's very worrying. If he's if he's kept that up, then the game will have passed him by. Like uh, more than likely, I think two years is a long time. We always talk about it, layoffs uh, and how quickly the game changes in MMA. Uh it's rapidly improving like the the standard of mma at the very top levels is, is rapidly improving uh two years is, is extreme at the time and chad mendez already wasn't at the top level when he when he went out but stylistically he's a nightmare matchup for a lot of people he he's one of the few guys who in the past can hit 
can hit doubles and hit hit takedowns in the middle of the cage without like in open space without, without pushing people against the cage and taking them down, which is which is a rarity these days in MMA to be able to do that regularly. So like that causes a lot of trouble for a lot of, a lot of fighters. But he, he's always been a bit small as well, Mendez. He, uh, he's always been a bit short with his reach and stuff. Um, I know he went toe to toe with Aldo, and it was a really close fight, but. That was that was that was a long time ago now. Uh, I know it was only a couple of fights ago, or it was three fights ago for Mendez, but it was probably what four years ago, uh, which is which is a very long time in MMA. So <clears throat> Miles Jury, I think probably yeah, I probably agree. He probably beat Miles Jury, but Miles Jury isn't isn't top level. Like uh, like he isn't. He's not. He's definitely no Max Holloway or no uh, Ortega. And I I, I don't see. Mendez beaten either of them guys, but he does have the style to to beat. Probably he, he probably stylistically matches up nicer against Max Holloway than he does Ortega. I don't know what he does against Ortega to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and um, you're breaking up a bit there, so maybe I'll answer this one. Did uh, Jack Dirge asked about um, asked about Daniel Cormier and how in a in a grappling match if he was retired after uh, Josh Barnett, uh, he's fighting with Josh Barnett, and how Josh Barnett looked against like that. I, I think Cormier do exceptionally well. I think he's a fantastic grappler. You know, he's maybe not submitting people and stuff, but and things like that. I think he'd, you know, he'd absolutely destroy most people. I think he's really, really good on the on the ground and just absolutely, you know, dominates people when they, you know, they get to those um, when they get to those positions on the ground. Um, all right, a couple more here. One from over on Instagram, actually. Does Stipe seal his spot as the greatest heavyweight of all time if he wins against Cormier? What do you think, Graham? <sighs> It's really tough to say. Um, like UFC title defenses and stuff, he will be comfortably. But I, th- I think he actually is. I think uh, with the logic of of the game is improving at the top level so quickly. I think that the guys at the top of the game right now are are by far the best than like you know five years ago. For like them guys are the, those guys would just with their skill set at the time wouldn't stand a chance at the upper echelon these days. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, all right, from over on uh, Twitter, we get a few reasons. I'll get the rest of them then over on Patreon, so I'll have a Q&A in the next couple of days. Um, Brian McLaughlin, which fight are you looking forward to most at UFC 226? Um, I, I, I'd I, say the main event. What do you think? Jesus, like the, the coming event and the main event. Uh, probably the main event, yeah, but the coming event is right there behind it. Like if the, if the, if the main event wasn't even on this card... At all, the super fight wasn't even on this card. This card would still be absolutely brilliant, and Max Holloway and Ortega would be a brilliant main event. But this card is absolutely stacked, and I think the fact that it is for the for the chance to to hold two belts at the same time. I know it's been done before, but it's still extremely hard to do. Uh, that's why only Connor has ever done it. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think the main event is the is the one. But there's other fight. Like if somebody was saying I'm looking forward to this Max Holloway fight more, I could understand that as well. Did BJ not hold two belts at the same time, no? No, I don't think at the same time. Did he? Yeah, I think I thought he did. Maybe I don't think so. I think he did. Or maybe, maybe he did. Or... Somebody tweet us. I don't know. It's too tired. We've been doing like two hours of podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right. You look that up there. I'll answer a few of these questions. Uh, Nick Kildea, could an early knockout of Ingano be enough to get Derek Lewis a title shot? Uh, I think, I actually think it probably could, yeah, because there isn't much uh, going on there. But it depends who wins that title. If Carmi wins, it could be a rematch or whatever. You'll never know. Uh, Nobbler at Nobs11. Where do you think Max Griffin? What do you think of Max Griffin? Do people overrate him after the Perry fight? Maybe a little bit. I, I do think he's. Um, 
he's I think he's a good fighter, you know, a big fighter again this week against uh, Curtis Mender, so that's uh, an interesting one. But I, I do think he's good. Um, uh, Andy Stevenson asked about recently. We answered that. He asked as well about Pettis, where Wayne would put him in the stack light with division. Nowhere, I don't think I, you know, I don't think it puts him back into any sort of um, any sort of of chat there or anything like that. Uh, Nick Dedane, what do you think the chances of Mike Jackson signing for Bellator and fighting Aaron Chalmers are? I think they're pretty high. What do you think of that fight? Um, say it again. Sorry, you broke up a little. Aaron Chalmers against Mike Jackson. Oh, Aaron Chalmers obviously smash him so easily. Who would? Aaron Chalmers would obviously smash him. Do you think so? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, and uh, a couple of lads asked about this. Frogmore, Wally Frogmore asked about um, uh, Diego Brandaus fighting Kituoka over in um, Risen, I believe. And Melvin Gillard. Who's Melvin Gillard fighting? Melvin Gillard is fighting Takenori Gomi. What do you think it was, Graham? Mm, these old guys, like, no, I don't really want, I don't really care to see them. Yeah, sure. Did you find that out there? Did, did BJ hold him too? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Um, he won the belt of Matt Hughes uh, um, back in when was it? Sorry, I've lost it here. Um, yes, yeah, he he went to Rumble and the Rock in between and fought Takanori Gomi, so he didn't have the he won he 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 fought for the UFC vacant title against Kao Luno and it was a draw. And then he left and went to Rumble in the Rock and fought Takanori Gomi, beat him, and then he won the the welterweight belt off of Matt Hughes. So he didn't have the UFC belt at the time. Did he win the lightweight belt after that, though? No, he won it after that. But he how far away? He he straight away. Remember, he straight away left the UFC after he won the belt and went to fight like fucking Machida and shit, shit, and Henzo oh, and like all that K one shit. And yeah. Dana nearly lost his mind. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. As I said, if you didn't, your question didn't get answered, sign up for Patreon or go over and listen on Patreon. I'll have a Q&A out there, probably Tuesday or something like that. Uh, we'll have a World Cup podcast, and we'll probably have another podcast at some stage. And we also have uh, uh, Andy Stevenson. He's, he's, uh, if you're a $20 subscriber, you get a 15-minute podcast every week. So this week, or every month, sorry. So this uh, this month, Andy's is going to be our top 10 favorite fighters ever and why. So that's going to be coming out this week oh, as well over on Patreon. That is, I already made mine up but uh, like i'm not even sure what i'm gonna say about him and i'm probably gonna be leaving lots up but there you go anyway tune in for that groundbreaking stuff over <laughs> over there <for laughs> uh, patreon.com forward slash severe mma podcast p-a-t-r-e-o-n all right graham anything left to say before we go um now just share the podcast rate us uh, support us on patreon if, if, if you want more content or if you like the website or the the podcast and want to support us uh five dollars a month comes to about four euro ten or four euro twenty it's not much and we, we put out a lot of content especially sean he does does a lot of uh re-watches and he does m- most of the stuff so uh fair play to sean mm-hmm. yeah you three of that three of that euro should be gone to me anyway <laughs> that's a fucking fact all right lads uh thanks for <laughs> listening in uh here's your inspirational quote of the week if you want it come and get it for crying out loud we'll see you next tuesday or monday or sunday